Welcome to Bringing Design Closer, the podcast focused on discussing design's role in tackling complex societal issues. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a service designer and founder of This Is HCD and CEO of ThisIsDoing.com where we provide live online design and innovation classes providing training for people within the design and change making space. Today in the show we have the wonderful Tomer Sharon, author and creator of some fantastic books and frameworks that I was excited to connect with recently. Tomer is co-founder and chief experience officer for Anywhere an exciting startup that is focused on the future of remote working. In this episode, we chat more around measuring happiness, what this really is in the context of experiences, and if it's an important metric to focus on. We drill into how Tomer does this and uses it in his own business, and we chat about all things experience design. It's a good one, so let's jump straight in. Tomer, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm doing all right. I'm sweltering in my attic at the moment, somewhere in, in the mid 30s. So if I do start to pant in the middle of this conversation, it's not because you're saying something that's so remarkable It's because I'm probably about to pass out. What's it like where you are? I'm in uh, northern New Jersey. I don't know, hot, cold, cold, hot, thunderstorms, heat waves. Summer is like that. <laughs> A bit of everything. Yeah, it's volatile. Tom, we've been connected for a while, but we were, we started chatting a little bit more around happiness. And I remember maybe two years ago, around that time, I did one of your courses online. It was a Telegram course, Telegram being the, the messaging app. This yeah. conversation, I'd, I'd love to chat to you a little bit more yeah. around the intersection of happiness and how this guess kind of interconnected with validation of products and services and so forth. But let's kick off. What's your experience in trying to measure happiness? Mm-hmm. I think happiness or satisfaction or whatever we call it, it's a Monday today, whatever we call it today. Yeah. It's an interesting metric to look at, but I would say it's probably not very useful. But I measure it anyway because I know people are interested. I know it gives me some idea about what's going on. Mm. But I can say, and, and going back to your question, what's my experience? It's tough because everybody has an opinion about how to measure this? It's simple, but it's not. It's very complicated sometimes. And that's why people go to templates of how to measure that and what they know from other places. Mm. But for me, on one hand, it's pretty straightforward. On the other hand, there are a lot of complications and a lot of nuances you need to pay attention to when you do that. Mm. But measuring happiness, in my perspective, is entirely contextual. So it's based on the prelude and the entry point to it. And a bit, I remember when I did that course, it did give me some you know, room to think a little bit more around how I approach research and when to, to intercept and at certain times to ask the right questions. Maybe tell us a little bit more around that, around the contextual understanding of the moments of trying to define what happiness is for someone. Yeah. So I think kind of measuring happiness in context is really, really important. Why? Because... You want to measure the experience when it happened or very shortly after. Hmm. Otherwise, people just forget or they just don't remember. Unless something really good happened or really bad happened, they forget. I mean, I say day, it's all of us. Hmm. Uh, We forget very, very quickly. So if you attended a a webinar, the organizers obviously wanted to know about your satisfaction. It matters if they ask immediately after, maybe even be creative and measure during. 
compared to sending that email after it's done. Oh, we need to send an email about that. So it takes us a couple of days to do that. And then when it's actually sent, it's a few days after. And then people just don't remember. So again, if nothing, you know, extraordinary happened, they don't really remember. And when people don't remember, and that's the problem, mm. they tend to rate it higher than it actually was. So you are getting the false understanding yeah. that it went well, people were satisfied. Yeah. But it's just the answer is that they're not necessarily, maybe they are, but they're not necessarily satisfied. Maybe they mm. just... They give a false uh, score as regards like, I'm after being paid that day or I'm going to give it, a, I'm feeling happy. And you know, nobody calls a, a call center saying how, how happy they are with the service. Yeah. So usually when people respond is when things are not, you know, that good, but measuring uh, in context is extremely important to get kind of the right, because you're, you're asking about feelings and emotions. And they pass, and we have thousands of, if not more, mm. of those feelings every day. So it passes very quickly. So you have to ask Absolutely. immediately or even during. You can't always do that. Mm. Physically, you can't do that. Like in airports, when, when you're moving through airports, you sometimes see the, you know, the happy and the sad and the, the little kind of like in between. The, the reason there is like they're trying to capture the sentiment at that moment. How does this, and this is a loaded question, everyone about to come up. I hope you're bracing your seats. How does this intersect with? NPS, but it's the common one. It's like satisfaction. You mentioned satisfaction in there, and it's the one that usually gets wrapped up into that conversation. So I'll say first, the creator of, of NPS did not mean for it to be a satisfaction measurement. Hmm. It was a measurement of loyalty. It was a it was supposed to indicate of some of loyalty. Repurchase. I have a problem with uh, NPS because I mean I think it's just bad science. But I'm more interested if you know the NPS question is asking about the future and what a person might do in the future. So first of all, it's an opinion about future behavior. I prefer mm. to measure behavior directly. Yeah. And if you want to know about satisfaction with something, ask about that right now, instead of asking, uh, would you mm. uh, recommend or something like that? I agreed to measure NPS in different organizations because for me, mm. it was a way to bring people into a place where they can see other measurements that I prefer. Yeah. So I went along. I had enough of arguing about NPS. I mean, just as a smart person once said in a movie, too old for this shit. So I'm not going to argue with anyone about NPS if they want to measure it. I'm just going to add to it and measure more and put everything in one place. Yeah. And we'll see what's Clever. useful. I did develop something that a few people adopted, somewhat helpful. I called it A. NPS. It's not anti-NPS. It's actually looking yeah. at uh, actual behavior. So instead of would you, hmm. it's asking about have you. So the A stands for yeah. actual. So have you recommended? Okay. Did you? And so that's kind of behavior. And I even prefer if we can to measure the behavior. If you want to recommend it now to somebody, that tells me a lot more yeah. than a would you question yeah. about the future. Yeah. As regards happiness, so say you've started your own business with a couple of other people there you mentioned earlier, any-where.com, your new business you're, you started up during the pandemic, which I'm sure was really easy to do. It was probably so simple, you were wondering why you haven't done it before. So two, this is going to be a two-part question. The first bit is tell us a little bit about anywhere.com. I'm sure people are really interested in what you're doing. And two, if you had to measure happiness in that experience, within that service, how would you approach a Tomer? Walk me through the steps, okay? We better launch, so we actually we are actually measuring it. So happy. Uh, ah. So anywhere is a company that every hero needs a villain. So our villain is a bad workday. 
a badly designed workday. So, and we've all experienced a few in the past year and a half, I assume. And we also learned that what happened before the pandemic was also not very good. So Anywhere is a service that is targeted at companies who switch to the hybrid model. So a few people are working a few days in the office, a few days at home or remotely every week. And we are offering that service to these companies' employees mm -hmm. during their remote days. So during their remote days, they'll access an app and start booking very cool workspaces to work from that are not their home and not their office. I mean, I have a, I'm privileged to have a, a room, a quiet room here, but there's so much I can sit in here all day long in Zoom calls. I miss people. I want to meet people. And if I can, mm -hmm. and in some places in the world we can, go out and meet people or just have some focus time for myself. Yeah. I want to do that in a very cool workspace. So we are building a network of cool spaces to work from. Mm. Uh, we're not buying them. We're not building them. We're just yeah. finding them and partnering with them. So these could be your coffee shop or restaurant or a boutique hotel, a rooftop, a gallery, museum, places that are, you know, if I ask you, what are your three workspaces that you prefer outside of your home. Inspiring. I would say a few, probably coffee shops. I want to add to that more places that you never thought of. So uh, that's the service we're building. Yeah. The experience is very similar. And now I'm kind of jumping to the measurement part. Yeah. Very similar to Airbnb in a way. So there's an app and the app is great, but mm. kind of the majority of the experience doesn't happen in the app. It happens in a physical space. So, yeah, and we are mostly interested in what happens in that physical space when a person comes up and tries to work in a place like that. Okay. What happens during that time and what happens when they leave. So there are several things in terms of, I'm only talking about happiness. Okay. There are several things that we're interested in that we're asking immediately after uh, the session has ended. Mm. So it's still kind of fresh in their minds, going back to the context question. And then what we do is we summarize that into, we just average that into a, a score, happiness score. And we look at that every week and we can see, for example, one of the things we're asking about is a service by the staff. They're not people, they're trained by us, they're not our people. And then we can see per location, we call it, we can see if things are getting you know, better, worse. And if they are, if there is a significant change, and okay. this is what the we're interested in. The staff in those premises? I'm not looking at that all the time. It's interesting. It went from 82 to yeah. 81. Yeah, it's, that's not interesting. What's interesting is when there's a significant change, that's an indication for us to find out what happened. And then we either go there or pick up the phone, talk with the, the employee members, we call them, talk with the member, talk with the host, and then to understand what happened. It could be good as well. I mean, sometimes 83. it jumps from 75 to 95. So we want to know what did you do to, to change that? Maybe it's a new staff member that's really onboarded and kind of loves the service and loves to give service and so on. So that's an indication for us to understand what we need to keep and what we need to change. As regards the mechanics yep. of measuring, mm -hmm. how do you approach that? And if you are happy to talk about tools, what do you use? So first of all, I'll say kind of general <laughs> statement is that tools don't matter. As long as you, you know, kind of your mind is right, you're interested in that information, you can make it happen, and it doesn't really matter what the tool is. What we did at first yeah. was a simple uh, Google form that we sent. We created a calendar invitation to all of the people yeah. who were on the service with a reminder. And once a day, they got a ping, 
yeah. answer the survey. Not everybody does, but enough people do. And that's you know, as simple as that. We use mm -hmm. in terms of how we ask the question. So we ask about, you know, what is your satisfaction with the list of things here or something? Yeah. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but then you have a list of service by staff, check-in, check-out, things like that. And then uh, we have five emojis to indicate how you're feeling. Mm. And that's basically it. If you're very slow, it takes you 15 seconds to answer that. If you're very quick, it takes less. But that's how we did it. We're like now that. just these days, we're switching that to the app. And then, uh, which is better in my mind, because again, the con going back to the context, the context is better there. Mm -hmm. And then it's uh, 30 minutes after the session is ended, you'll get a pop-up asking you to your experience. And same questions, same way of answering. Just we developed it in, in, kind of in the app itself. So what are the common pitfalls that people encounter when trying to measure happiness in your experience? There are a few. One I would say is measuring overall satisfaction. And I've been talking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Usually people ask either the NPS question or a general question about satisfaction. How satisfied are you with anywhere? It's hard to answer first because... Mm -hmm. Anything you ask about is a complicated thing that has multiple components. So what you do get for it, the good things about measuring kind of overall is that you're getting, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a good score or a bad score, if you have some form of comparing it to other products or services in your portfolio, you can compare. And you can also understand the changes in that score over time if you do that kind of consistently. The problem is that you have no idea what might explain different drops. So let's say your score was uh, 91% and it dropped to 81%. And it's a significant uh, drop. You know it's a, there's a difference. You don't really know what specifically in the service they're not happy with that you should dive into. So you're pretty much lost. If you kind of split the question, and we split it into nine different smaller questions about very specific things, if you split it, then I'll take our example. We chose nine questions. Let's say... Seven questions consistently get a very high score, and then two just got a very low score. So you know mm -hmm. that these seven topics you should put aside, you shouldn't invest anything in it. And these two, you don't want the answer, but you know that, for example, I don't know, service by staff and checkout were problematic. People were unhappy with them mm -hmm. in the past week. So then you know what to ask about, what you dig into. So a big pitfall is not doing that. It's kind of asking the overall question. And then it's good in presentations. We can say overall, you don't complicate and overwhelm people with data, but you really don't know the details. What we do to compensate for the kind of presentation layer is we just average all the nine scores into one. And if people are interested in the overall, we have an overall. It's just a summary of the nine. So it's just the average. There's no weighting going on across yeah. that nine scale. No, you could, but no, we don't do that. You could. If you're getting very detailed, then maybe some things are more important than others. You, you could do something like that. In regards to nine points, is that, are they nine separate questions or are they, is that a scale? Nine separate, nine separate questions. No, no, nine, nine separate questions. Okay. So in your experience... can't remember all of them, but it was yeah. check-in, service... What do you staff, mean you can't remember all of them? <laughs> so yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> so in some of the stuff that I teach within service design, if, if I'm mapping experiences out and we look at the emotionality of things... And you ask people to input mm -hmm. on a Likert scale of five axis, very satisfied or very dissatisfied at the bottom. Is that similar to how you approach the measurement of happiness? Yeah. And that connects with another pitfall. Kind of, another pitfall is overcomplicating things. Mm. 
honestly, you can find research that supports any number of points on the scale from two to yeah. 11, I don't know, whatever. So I'm not going to argue about what's better and what's worse. What's right scale. <laughs> you can find uh, the, yeah. the same as, uh, I don't know, nutrition research. One day apples are good, the other day mm. apples are bad. So it's the same in that way. I would just say don't overcomplicate things for you and for others. Sometimes 11 points on a scale is mm. too hard to for people to answer, oh, is, was it, am I moderately dissatisfied or slightly dissatisfied? It's complicating things for people. Mm. On the other hand, it gives you more details of, about the experience if you trust the answers. So I prefer the lower numbers, kind of two, three, five, kind of to me, thumbs up, thumbs down. It was either good or bad. Yeah. So as regards happiness being a singular kind of destination that we can move towards, mm-hmm. um, is it fair to say that like, if you end up with a score that equates to happy, there's going to be other biases that are part of that score as well? Of course. How is that taken into consideration? So first of all, you, everyone needs to understand that happiness is only one metric. There's no one metric that can give you the entire mm. picture um, of what's yeah. happening in a product. Yeah. I worked at WeWork. We're not going to talk a lot about that, but I'm going to give you a WeWork example. Give me a few others there. Engagement. We had phone booths okay, within, within the space. <laughs> And then we asked people in we a survey, <laughs> how satisfied, or even in the things that you see in airports, can I happy okay. or not, and things like that. We asked them, how satisfied are you with the experience in the phone booth? And they answered. We also put pressure sensors under their butts, yeah. so we knew how much these were utilized. We didn't know whose butt was it, but we knew there was a butt there. And then you could see, by the, even by the percentage of utilization uh, response rate to satisfaction, Sometimes we get answers from people whose butt wasn't there and they're very satisfied. So you could be very satisfied, but you never used the thing. Or you stood up doing a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So there are many, many biases. That's why I prefer kind of the butt measurement. I prefer behavior rather than opinions. Opinions are interesting Mm -hmm. and I put happiness under opinions. Opinions are interesting, but they're very, very biased. Another WeWork example, if I ask you about how satisfied are you with coffee, you might be extremely satisfied, but this morning water started dripping on your head because of, I don't know, a pipe that exploded. You're not going to be happy and you think rework is too slow to fix it. You're going to give us a bad score for coffee for no reason, no reason related to coffee. But if we measure your behavior, we'll see that you're actually drinking yeah. three cups a day yeah. from our barista and it's They're conflicting. So, yeah. I know we spoke earlier about the heart framework that was used in Google. There's a couple of measurements in yep. there that you probably agree are good to measure like engagement. What's the A stand for? Adoption. The A is adoption. (laughs) So I see that as a great framework. I wasn't a part of developing Mm. it, although I was working there when it happened, but kind of used it as a user, the researcher. Mm. I think it's a framework that's really helpful in deciding what to measure. These kind of big things, if I remember, happiness, engagement, adoption. I've got it here in front of me here. I'm like Joe Rogan, folks. I've got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm definitely not like Joe Rogan, folks. <laughs> it's got happiness, engagement, adoption, retention, and task success. Right. So I wouldn't say these are metrics. I would say these are kind of uh, dimensions. Measurements. And there could be a lot of metrics under each one. That's my mm-hmm. interpretation, at least. And then, you know, again, going back to kind of what is it that would help you understand what's going on in the product, engagement specifically is trying to tell you how involved people are with the thing. 
So are they just logging in, logging out, mm. or are they logging in, buying 10 things, and then logging out? So that's the, kind of the level that they're hooked up into what yeah. the product or service is offering. Mm. With anywhere, I would say if they are kind of only, you know, they onboard it and then they only go to one coffee shop, then that's one level of engagement. But if they try out a lot of places and change every week, try new, new locations we add, then that's higher engagement. Yeah. So that's what's kind of interesting to me. I want to see higher engagement or deeper yeah. engagement. Adoption would be, you know, repeat, which would be the correct? Adoption would be kind of, I try to explain that to people by thinking about the word new. Mm. So anything new. So you want to see if people who are new to the service are trying out for the first time many things. And okay. you want to see, if you go even a step back, you want to see pretty much an indication of your kind of sales effort. You want to see how many new people are added to the service mm. and the product to indicate kind of growth and kind of new blood yeah, nice. into the system. And retention is obviously they're staying loyal and they're going back around and exactly. repurchasing. Exactly. Retention is to me, if people sometimes go, what's the one metric? And then I give them this bill about, you know, there's no one metric, blah, blah, blah. But if you force me, I would say retention rate is probably the most important measurement and or metric. And the yeah. reason is that if you think about it for a second, all the other numbers would be zero if there was no retention. Retention is pretty much, you know, giving you a number into yeah. whether the thing, product, service, feature, whatever it is, kind of keeps its user. They're, it becomes a habit. They come back. They use it again and again and again. That's pretty much that number. And you want it to be high. You want it, you, you want people to yeah. try it out for the first time and then yeah, keep sense. using it. Otherwise, yeah. you're not going to have satisfaction ratings. You're not going to have engagement. You're not going to have a lot of yeah. And a task success is an obvious one. Like they managed to get their, complete their job that they wanted to get done. Yeah. It's pretty much your typical kind of usability measurements. Not, nothing new here. Mm. Anything that has a clear start and end point uh, can be measured there. Yeah. So as regards using these kind of metrics to help kind of shine a light on, are we going in the right direction or are we not going in the right direction? I know you've got a brilliant book that I bought a number of years ago. It was released in 2016 by the wonderful Lou Rosenfeld and Rosenfeld Media. I'll throw a link to that in the show notes. I'm a big fan of, of Lou's work. But in that book, Validating Product Ideas, mm -hmm. how do you see happiness being kind of intersecting with the, the kind of validation of new products or services? Yeah. So very intentionally, I left out of the book anything related to surveys and questionnaires. Okay. My general recommendation at the time until recently was don't do that. It's complicated. You're a product manager, startup founder, just starting. Your, you're not a professional researcher. Try to avoid it as much as possible because it's, it's very easy to launch, but it's very complicated to do right. Yeah. So in terms of kind of the intersection between validating a good idea or validating if something is a good idea or not and satisfaction, I'd be very careful. I can you know, testify from my own experience now. Mm. Satisfaction is interesting. But I think we're learning a ton more from you know, the usage metrics. So if you want to see if an idea is good, it's great if you can go and ask people if it's a good idea. They'll probably tell you mm. yes, but you're not really collecting meaningful data or true data because they want to be happy. So I would say measure satisfaction, but take it with a, a grain of salt, a big grain yeah. of salt, a rock of salt. Be careful with conclusions you come to. 
based on it's very flattering if the answers are even if the scores are high yeah but the A truth boulder. is hiding in you know, retention and engagement yeah. and tacit they're hiding in plain sight and adopt. yeah, yeah. Li- literally so as regards learning more about this kind of space it's very useful for service designers or anyone in the change making space to use these metrics as part of their the visualization methods such as journey maps who are you looking to present company excluded of course tomer as regards pushing the boundaries in gathering new metrics that can help organizations move forward i'm not looking for new metrics i think those yeah. kind of basic ones are going to tell you the honest truth mm-hmm. i'm not trying to kind of try to find, find new stuff new, yeah i think you're getting the real truth kind of in your face when you look at kind of retention rate adoption rate seven day active and satisfaction because it, it gives you a whole, a more holistic picture. Mm. And I'm not looking for more. When my eyes lit up, it's when I see creative ways of measuring satisfaction in context. For example, I think it was a Lyft e-hailing service doing a really good mm. job in kind of measuring satisfaction during the ride. So how's it going so far? And then, because they know that people look at the map and then they ask it kind of, they show it on the route itself and a trigger for the question. So I'm looking for a kind of creative ways okay. of doing that. And when I see that, then I kind of, okay, this is something to learn from. In terms of anywhere.com, yep. your new business, that creates a, a lots of opportunities there because they're not in a controlled space. I presume they're probably not within an app environment. So there's lots of room there for you to flex your Sharon muscles. <laughs> there are a lot of challenges. A lot of challenges. Yeah. We don't control the room as we did at, at WeWork. Wi-Fi, Absolutely. we actually... The Wi-Fi. <laughs> we'll pay for your internet bills. Uh, we, will. <laughs> we will. If you need help, we yeah. will. I would say it's really hard and we know that people are new. Once you, again, same with Airbnb. Once you book the space, there's no reason for you to be in the app when you're gonna, you're there. Unless there's, there's a motivation for you to be there for a different reason. But yeah. we don't assume people are on the app when they work because we're sending them to work. There are tremendous challenges there in terms of measurements. We try to do things, kind of think yeah. we're just starting, but think about ways to measure that are less intrusive, more kind of trying to let machines do what machines do best and let humans do yeah. what they do best. Don't ask a human to do machines work. And it's not easy. It's going to take us a while, but it's better. I'll give you an example. It's better for us mm-hmm. to not ask somebody about the noise level at a space it's better for us to measure it through a certain device you know without any human involvement we're going to get more accurate results and we're not going to bother people yeah so these are the areas i'm I'm thinking it sounds really exciting i'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it there's i meant to say when when you started talking about anywhere earlier on in the conversation when i lived in australia i would have signed up for this in a heartbeat because most of my time when I was out researching or was out designing or meeting stakeholders who were all across the state, I had nowhere to go during the day. I ended up just kind of wandering into loads of different coffee shops. Yeah. And then some of them had bad Wi-Fi, some of them had good Wi-Fi. And it took an awful lot of local knowledge. I'm sure people down in Australia are like putting their fists up in the air saying, come down to Australia. I'd love it to come to, to Ireland as well, mm-hmm. because when it all opens up, I'd be looking to get out yeah. a lot more and work a little bit more outside of my own home. I heard from somebody I met that he was also kind of, he didn't have an office. He was working from places in New York City. 
and he started having a gathering data. He was just gonna start a spreadsheet. Okay, this place has you know great kind of classifying all the information about these places, so he knows where to go to, so he remembers what are nice. the good places or what he needed to do. Well, look, I'll throw. So we're trying to do that kind of in a more sophisticated kind of way, sophisticated, useful way. Yeah. Well, look, I'll throw a link to anywhere.com on into the, the show notes. Tomer, is there anything else you want to cover off or we happy to close out the conversation? No, just everybody be happy. That's the most important thing. Somebody reached out about that Telegram course. <laughs> yeah. I can teach people on how to be happier in their life. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm just helpful in measuring it, not creating it. So, <laughs> yeah. But you had some good life stories weaved into that course. I remember it was, there were yeah. some profound moments. Yeah. It was really good. I'll put a link to it anyway. Is there anything of that course still online? There is kind of the PDF version of it with links to the video. So yeah. Tomer, thanks so much for your time. Sure thing. Thank you, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.